Hello, welcome to another episode of People Are Politics. I'm Kevin Ackley, and this is our first episode of the fall? I don't know what to say. We haven't done one all summer uh, because I got married and I got involved heavily in DSA, and um, online isn't the same thing as real life, so we have to prioritize that. And um, yeah, so... I'm glad to be do- doing uh, another episode here, and uh, I think we're going to have a good one. Um, today we're going to talk about immigration, and specifically undocumented immigration, and also what that means uh, in the modern world, because it is uh, definitely uh, dicey, at, at the very least. So um, I'm here with a few of my comrades that... Uh, have various levels of um, relationships to the documentation process. Um, and I'm going to let them clarify that for themselves. So um, how about we start with you? Okay. Well, I'm Mario Solis. Um, like Kevin mentioned, I've been heavy in the DSA stuff with him. That's how we met. Um, I mean, I guess I'm, we're talking about immigration. I'm, I'm Mexican myself. I was born in Mexico uh, for anybody who wants to know. And, um, yeah, I used to be what people call an, an illegal immigrant. Uh, I prefer the term undocumented American personally, but, um, you know, we're talking about the same thing. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, I'm not, uh, undocumented anymore. Um, I was able to naturalize after, uh, we were allowed to, I don't want to get too into it yet, or I don't know if I should, but yeah. Yeah, just sum it up a little bit, and then we'll go into detail. All right, so yeah, so no, so yeah, I just used to be undocumented, not anymore, Um, and so now I'm just, you know, uh, living in Moorhead and hanging out. Cool. Jose. Well, my name is Jose, and a.k.a. Camo Joe. Uh, I was also born in Mexico. Um, I was brought here when I was very little, and so this is like, the only country I've ever known. So I'm hoping to share some of the experiences and debunk some of the myths surrounding this issue. So that's why we're here. Cool. And I'm Oscar De Leon. Um, I was raised up here in far North Dakota. I think I'm, as it was, second generation. My um, my grandparents were from Mexico. My parents were born in uh, in america so maybe that third generation yeah your your parents grandparents came here to give and gave birth to your parents yeah i think that's technically third but. okay yeah so but my parents were the outliers um on both sides of the family uh everyone else in my family still were born in mexico or they're living there right now so that's where i stand and a lot of uh a lot of my family members have been deported uh because of various different infringements on the quote-unquote laws so um that's where that's where i stand on on that side of the issue right okay um well let's start off with uh, mario and jose uh, just talking about like i guess what does it mean specifically um to be undocumented and then what does it mean to become documented and how does it happen how do you um i know a lot of people don't know that um crossing the border illegally is um, not a criminal offense. It's actually a civil offense. And so it's basically like um, a speeding ticket or it should, it's technically legally supposed to be that way. Um, But with the 
uh, I guess, emotions that have been stirred up, people, if they don't realize that it isn't, they want it to be a criminal offense where you're put in jail. And uh, honestly, like there's all sorts of detention centers and, uh, and so on that like are, are effectively prisons, but um, yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be the same thing as like murder or assault or anything like that. It's just basically like, Oh, you didn't file your paperwork correctly. That's all it's supposed to be. So yeah, Mario, I'll have you go first and just explain like, yeah, what is it? What did it mean to be undocumented? And then how do you, how do you go about being documented at all? Yeah. So to me being undocumented, just it, it meant having this sort of this constant fear of getting caught because you're not, you're doing, you're not doing something wrong, but you just, you aren't supposed to be here. And that's somebody decided you're not supposed to be here. And that's just the rules. And it's something that you're subject to whether you agree to it or not. So you're sitting, you're in a country, you're trying to live your normal life. I also came when I was very young, um, you know, going to like elementary school and, <clears throat> you know, learning a language, although that wasn't too bad because when you're really young, it's, it's, I think it's pretty easy to pick up a language. So that wasn't too much of an issue, but you're experiencing all the normal things, you know, of growing up in America, but you've got this added thick layer of, I might, I might not be here tomorrow because mm. I might get caught. And so and that was true for me and also for my mom and uh, other family members that um, I won't get too specific because there are people that are still subject to sure. that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it was just it's a scary thing. It's it's not a nice thing. It's something that contributes to anxiety and, you know, and I'm sure it's like exi it, existential. Right. Like, yeah. And and so it, 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 I'm sure it affects people different ways. Um, for me personally, it was just a scary thing to be constantly on alert and worried that being doing even just the maybe speeding just a little bit or, or something gets you in, in, in contact with police and then all of a sudden your life's going to change and it, and it has happened mm -hmm. um, um, to some of my family. Well, um, especially now, um, you know, this is the whole purpose. I mean, there's, there's a couple purposes behind it, but like the reason why there are sanctuary cities um, is not just specifically to protect the humanity of um, these immigrants. It's so that like if immigrants... Um, witness a domestic abuse situation or something like that if they're under threat of being deported at any time they come in contact with the police or they can they have to like answer to their immigration status they're way less likely to say or to call the police and be like yo the, my neighbor is abusing you know his wife or whatever um, and that puts the rest of the society in more danger than like so-called if you know the gang activity were as rampant as it was or is believed to be coming across the border. So um, it's not just about this perceived, whatever, wave, as it's called, coming across the border, even though immigration is at net zero between the two countries. But yeah, anyways, um, that I thought that was important to, to highlight this, because you're like, at any moment, if you come in contact with the police, it can change like that. And that automatically puts a rift between the, the civilian and the police when that's already a problem in itself in that's this right. country that's right yeah so um and then so you asked a little bit about becoming documented you know that i think we were you know i'm, I'm kind of unclear as to what law specifically um granted us the right to 
I suppose amnesty might might be the the word. But how how old were you when? Um, honestly, don't know. Early teens, I think. Okay. And so, or even yeah, early early teens. Like I'm talking like ten or eleven. I'm guessing. And so I just remember growing up, um, having to go to court and to explain to a judge, sort of my ties to society. Like you know, I had to talk to um about. My friends about school, that kind of thing, and I think what it was is it was a way to communicate. You know that I wasn't just some like, I don't know, drug um, mule or something. Yeah, or, or an anchor baby or something. Although I wasn't born there, so that actually wouldn't apply. But the the point was that I was actually part of you know my community. Right. I think that was the point. And then, and so whatever law it was um, that 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 made that possible, the fine you had to pay a thousand dollar fine per person, okay. and so. Um, it was me, my mom, and my brother that were subject to that. Um, the rest of my siblings were U.S. born, so they didn't have to worry about it. So, yeah, we paid that. Or my parents or my mom paid that fine for um, us three. Uh, somehow, some way, I don't actually know. I should ask her about it. But, yeah, after that, we got uh, granted um, uh, lawful permanent resident status. And then I think up until college, that's how it was. I just was an LPR. Okay. For a long time, so I didn't have to worry about that stuff anymore personally. Um, although, obviously, you know, for your family members that weren't able to take advantage of that, that was still that is still and it persists to this day. So. Right. Yeah, and I'm curious, and maybe you or Jose can answer this. Like, how does an undocumented person um, attend school in the United States? Because tech, you know, you would think that there's some sort of like verification something. There's not, is there not really like you just go in and fill up pa- paperwork and it's like, Oh, I live at this address so I can go to school here. Is that kind of how it works? I guess you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know because my, my mom took care of it and then, you know, we're talking at a young age. And so I, I, I mean, I just don't know. It was just something that was right. normal, I guess. From what I know, they ask you for everything, you know, but then, I believe all you say is uh, the kid doesn't have a social security number, um, but this is our address, and here's his foreign birth certificate, so they kind of try to translate it, things like that. But I think because of the law is no kid can not be in school, they pretty much, you know, accept the kid. So that's like one of those things where, you know, there's this whole idea about the parental responsibility and stuff like that. It's like, oh, well, if we accept the kids or whatever – that'll never teach the parents. It's like, it's the same with, uh, there's the the idea around like school lunches. It's like, oh, if we give all the kids free lunches or whatever, then the parents won't take responsibility for raising their children. It's like, okay, like, let's say you're, I agree with you about that much. What about the kid? Like the kid is the important part. Like, yeah, parental responsibility and all these other virtues or something the kids still need to be taken care of. And that seems to go totally ignored by most of these conversations. So I guess that's one good check mark on our U.S. immigration policy that at least we aren't, aren't turning away these kids from being educated. Um, can I touch on that um, uh, sanctuary city thing? Before, yeah. In and case I, we don't touch again. And I want to I hear your, your version of what Mario's okay, got Well, I guess but. I can start there too. But um, there's a lot of misconception about being an undocumented immigrant most people think that one day you wake up and that you want to come to this country without telling anybody so that you can come and get all these benefits like welfare and yeah, yeah. I don't know where that came from mm-hmm. but it's it, you hear it i see it in public posts on social media things like that 
that's not it. You know, it, you, the parents, for example, if they bring kids here, uh, like the DACA people, you know, mm-hmm. they had to make that choice to leave everything behind, mm-hmm. everything they've known, and cross a border that is pretty secure already, if you ask me, um, and try to, like, dodge uh, immigration officials and, you know, walking through deserts right. with no wa- like limited water and food. And when you get here, you don't get to apply for welfare and, and unemployment and things like that. Because when you go to those offices, they, re- they require that you show your citizenship status and your social security numbers and right. all that. You can't just go and, and be like, yeah, I'm illegal. I'm here to apply for health care. Right. So, like... The only situation <laughs> in which, um, you know, you could possibly get, like, a, a fraudulent Social Security uh, number I've, you know, learned about is, let's say, you know, you become a, a farm worker or something like that. The employer, the farmer, oftentimes will utilize um, fake Social Security numbers in order to, like process that you're there but even then a lot of times that won't happen yeah no because then they can pay you below minimum wage or all these other things um so that's but that so that does happen um by the farmer not it's not like you have the access to that uh sort of information or database or whatever yeah and exactly and like you're not gonna risk going and giving the government a false information right that's you're immediate already, deportation exactly yeah. i mean you're not i don't know where these myths came from so yeah that's what it means to be undocumented you don't you come here and you live under the shadows literally mm-hmm. you do everything to avoid um, law enforcement um and you you have to find other ways to work without having the documentation with because that's pretty much all it is be the difference between being here legally and illegally piece of paper mm-hmm. and and touching on the welfare thing like my family when they came up um and got jobs or whatever they were on welfare programs but the, the way that welfare works is that you have to show them proof that you're making a certain amount of money and that you're employed because or seeking a, employment or whatever yeah, yeah and um and they it's like a vigorous process like you have to go through a lot of steps in order to um to show them that you're a functioning member of society. And the, the amount of help that they give you is bare minimum. What they're giving you is the essentials to, to make it livable, which is, you know, like the argument of, um, you know, being, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, you have to have the boot first. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's basically it. It's that um, this, like, misconception that pe- that people are coming over and they're benefiting off of the work on from everyone else is so completely false because you yourself have to contribute to that in order to receive any sort of help and i think it's a flawed system because it i i personally think that they don't give enough to a lot of people especially people with children um and the stuff that they do get is like i mean it's like um if we're talking about food like it's not nutritious (laughs) like right and uh that in itself is, is something that needs to be worked on. But, the, yeah, this misconception that Jose was talking about, that uh, you just come in and you're reaping the benefits, literally. That everyone else is working for. Yeah, is, is, com- is a complete lie.
And one of the things too that always got me, and I think it, I don't know where it came from, but it was on, but I know I saw it on Facebook with people that that claim to love me, that be my friends, and they share this meme of, oh, you know, the immigrants come and they get, for the you know, they get welfare, they get uh, X, Y, Z, and they get license, they get license. What do you call it? Driver's licenses. And yeah. I was always like, wait, why is that a problem? Like, why don't you want people to have driver's <laughs> license? And then the other thing was they would compare it to like these terrible countries like North Korea. And it's like, in North Korea, if you did it, they chop off your hand. And it's like, why do you want to be like North Korea? That, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's... such a weird argument to make. And it was like, yeah, it was, a, yeah, I remember this specifically. In and those are, those are typically the people that like, yeah, let's nuke North, North Korea tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. The, it's the same people. Yeah, it's terrible. So you what? it's the same people that say you should stand up for the national anthem. Right. That too. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, of course. Otherwise you don't love your country. Yeah. yeah so so Jose, let's let's hear your um you know what what it meant when you came here. Um how old were you? Um what was the the process like um going from undocumented to documented and so on? Um I came here when I was or I should say I was brought here just for you mm-hmm. people out there that don't understand. Um I was brought here when I was a year and a half. Okay. Um, and well, so I don't remember how it was done, um, but I, all I know is the first place I lived and the first place that I called home for my first memories was in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. Um, so I honestly, I grew up li- living like any other kid. I didn't know the difference really, uh, being documented or undocumented until my teens when it was time to like apply for you know your permit because everyone's getting their permit when you turn 14 things like that and you know you're thinking about getting your first job and that's when things you realize got, it's different yeah, yeah. It, you know, your world flips upside down mm-hmm. so that was that was rough mm-hmm. that was rough because you can't already makes you feel like an outsider kind of yeah because yeah. your whole life you're not you grew up thinking no i'm just like, I'm just like another kid, you know. Like, American. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you're not. And it's also not something you want to go and tell everybody either. So it's not like you can share with everyone. So you kind of just take that hit. Yeah. And keep it hidden. Um, but I actually, thanks to my brother, um, my family was able to uh, gain citizenship or permanent status. Yeah. Because then you have to wait like five years or whatever to then apply for citizenship but because my brother was born here he's legally technically a a u.s citizen yeah uh and because he joined the military the military had a special program for uh family members of u.s citizens who were undocumented they were able to apply um also, you had to pay in a fine for breaking the law or whatever, um, go through background checks, health checks, make sure you don't have diseases. I mean, you've already been living here forever, but they want to make sure mm-hmm. you're not bringing dise- diseases in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a pretty long process. It's not easy, and it's only because of my uh, brother being a citizen and being in the military. He, had he not been in the military, he would not have been able to sponsor us because... You have to get in line for one. Mm-hmm. People think that you can. They just say, "Oh, why don't you just make yourself legal? Get your come here, come here the right way." Yeah, that type or, of thing too. Yeah, and I've seen people just say to people who are already here, "Go get legal." It's not easy. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like you're not, you're choosing not to. You know, it's it's a long, long process. And if you're here illegal already without documents, it's even longer because you have to get in the line. Um, and right now they're still processing applications from like the mid nineties. So if you apply now, you still have to wait twenty more years. Twenty more years yeah. at least. But because you be, uh, came here without documents, once you go and apply, you have to, because you're here illegally, you didn't get paroled entrance, you have to go back to your home country and apply there at the embassy and then come back in legally. But what they fail to mention is once you leave the country, because you broke the law, you're barred either five or ten years from coming back in. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's just lose, go lose, get lose. yourself legal. Like there's literally no yeah, good option. Exactly. Yeah. So it's either apply now, maybe leave the country now or in 10 years, get your bar in place so that you can, because then you'll be barred from entering and then wait for your turn in line. But then in the meantime, live in a country you've never lived never in. Never lived in. Uh, you fortunately can at least speak the language of that country, but like that's not the case for everybody. Um, no, there's and, a lot of people who don't. Right. So <laughs> a lot of people haven't even ever been to that country. That, that yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's so many, you know, with with Trump uh, setting the timetable for rescinding DACA, um, there are so many kids that are in that basically exact situation that they don't speak the language of their parent or that their parents' uh, native country. Um, they've never even visited that country. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different culture, yep. totally different um, economic status, uh, many times directly a consequence of our trade policies or um, essentially like giving the green light for like, was it a coup in Honduras um, that um, basically our state department under the Obama administration basically said like, cool. And then um <laughs> all of a sudden there's essentially a bunch of refugees that come up uh, to the United States and Hillary Clinton, who was the um, secretary of state at the time said, well, we need to send those kids back to, to punish the parents or whatever. With respect to the Central American uh, children, I made it very clear that those children needed to be processed appropriately, but we also had to send a message to families and communities in Central America not to send their children on this dangerous journey in the hands of smugglers. You think they don't realize that it's really dangerous to send their children (laughs) on their own a thousand miles or whatever? Like that's not, (laughs) that's not like some, you know, whim calculation. They actually is like a extremely tragic cost benefit analysis that has to be made. And so who are you punishing? You're just sending kids back to effectively a war zone. Um, You're sending them back to die. Yeah, and and when they already, like, barely escaped it to begin with. So um, that, (laughs) I don't know. To me, yeah, that shows that there's literally no humanity in these policies and oftentimes from both parties. Like, one party will be slightly more humane, but it'll be in this, like, um, dressed up meritocratic type of way. Like, oh, if you were a good boy or girl and you like got these good grades and you, every, 90% of DACA people are employed or whatever, it's like, well, what about the unemployed ones? Like, um, They're probably going to school or something. Yeah, it's like, like, who cares? Like, they're a human being, you know? Yeah. Like, if they're not like 
engaging in violent activity yeah. or something or like being a threat to their society exactly um then i don't get what the problem is like you can have you know a, a systematic way of like dealing with this issue without like depriving people of their dignity <laughs> um and that doesn't seem to be a calcul or part of the calculation um so oscar um you have uh, many or at least one relative i know that you've talked about to me personally that's been deported many times um and i know that you you know you have sort of this um outside perspective on this process just because you you are a citizen and you've lived here your entire life so i want to know like as a family member of someone or, or of people that like are this constantly under this threat like what is that like um and what do you feel like do, do you feel completely powerless to it is there anything you feel like um you can do uh, and yeah i guess i'll let, just let you explain um well it's tough to answer because like a lot of the times, yeah, I mean, there is, like, a, a hopelessness that sets in because there's not really much you you can do for, like, an uncle or an aunt, you know, or, like, um, like my dad can't really do much for his brother. Uh, so, yeah, you just kind of have to, like, it's basically sheltering, you know. Um, you can help them uh, get a job or whatever and um, or, like, let them stay at your place, but that's about it, you know, and then just tell them, you know, don't screw up, make sure you're following the rules, and, and you know, hopefully they don't get caught, you know. That's basically what my entire life has been with my uncles and aunts, you know. It's just, like, seeing them living as human beings and being like, God damn, you know, I hope they don't uh, decide to, like, drink and drive tonight or something. Right. Um, which has happened, you know, um... One of my uncles, you know, was he's an alcoholic, which is another issue, you know, that that I think, you know, he couldn't get the help that he needed because he was an illegal immigrant and like didn't have didn't have any sort of health care, couldn't get insurance. So um, I had another that that same uncle, you know, um, it was one of those things where like he would get in trouble, go to, you know, federal prison for a year or so, get deported um my uncle was deported like once back in like the early 2000s crossed over because we live uh, my family's from like a border town so it's like right there um crossed over got caught again for a traffic violation got sent to prison two years got tra uh got caught again once he got out and crossed over for just crossing got sent back and it was like one two three four years in prison Five years was the longest stint he did. Finally, at the five-year mark, they send him back, and they're like, hey, don't do it again. It'll be 10 years this time. Um, and that is basically the like the reality of of um, that process. I think it's deeply inhumane. And to, to cap all that off, he was a, uh, sch a schizophrenic person, so when they threw him back into Mexico, no one, who, who's going to house him, you know? Like, they dropped him off in one part of Mexico that was, like, so completely removed from um, where my family's from. He doesn't have money, doesn't have this, he doesn't have that. Like, how is he going to get to that place to get right. help? Literally no contacts. Exactly. So, yeah, from an outside perspective, you know, like, I've just kind of 
I followed the process and, and seeing the injustices and whatever. And there was, a, you know, one time um, back in like the 90s or whatever, my, I had two uncles that were in Dallas, Texas, and they were trying to file for um, a resident, resident alien card. And it turns out, I mean, they went through the process that paid the dues. Turns out that they were fraudulent, and they had no idea that they were fraudulent. So someone scammed them. Someone scammed them, both of them. And when they went, they were it was another traffic violation. They were like just driving, speeding or something. Um, the cop found this fake uh, documentation. They had no power, couldn't get an attorney, and just got deported. Essentially, it's an assumption like, oh, you're committing fraud or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. But I know for a fact. And I mean, you know. People can argue against me and say, you know, they could have been more thorough. They could have been this and that. But I know that they had the right intentions and they were trying to do the the right thing. But the system failed them because even in like those circles, you know, um, it's the information to, to get right, as they say, is so uh, it's, it's hard to find. I mean, we had the personal experience uh, back in March or whenever it January, was. January, I think. When we were, uh, we, we hung up a sign that said Re- Refugees Welcome in, in Fargo, and and this uh, Mexican family came up thinking that we could help them right. get their documentation, and I had to tell like, them. It is, it, to them, it looked like we were like, hey, look, we're the people that welcome refugees into the country officially. Um, but that, I mean, so they came up and asked us yeah. what to do. And I had to tell them, you know, like, that stuff is handled in Minneapolis. And the guy, was, you know, he couldn't speak English, but he was telling me that, that he had been here for like 10 years trying to figure it out. No one's told him how to do it. Right. And he had money and he wanted to do it. Like right. He's been working. He has a daughter. There's no, like, there isn't some building with a big sign that says, undocumented, come right inside and like, we'll fix you up. Like, there's yeah, yeah. nothing like no. that. Yeah, because there's like, like you said, there's like an existential fear surrounding that whole thing where it's like, I don't want to go into some some place where I might get caught and thrown it, thrown away. When I'm know? trying to do literally what the yeah. procedure asks me to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. So tying into the conversation about DACA, and now, like, <laughs> there's been, for the past, I guess, two years, conversation about building a wall, you know, to Mexico, which would be insane. I don't really see how they would be able to accomplish that, much less a, a transparent one. <laughs> um, but... Um, Chain link, chain link fence. Yeah, I, I'm curious what your guys' like vision of a, a what would be like an ideal immigration policy like from each of your perspectives. And anybody can go from from my perspective. Um, honestly, I mean, it, for America especially, it would be to keep a completely open border. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. To, it's tough to to think about because like you're always going to have illegal immigration in some way, shape, or form. But um, I would offer amnesty to anyone that has come into the country and is nonviolent. I mean, I think, like, when I think of it practically, you have to include those talking points that all, like, both sides have, which is, like, they have to be nonviolent and they have to be, uh, they can't commit any sort of crime or whatever. So, um, yeah, I guess you you just have to redefine what it is that is a crime in America, you know, mm-hmm. um, honestly, you know, if it was like, uh, if there was <laughs> like someone that came from Mexico and murdered someone, 
obviously that person shouldn't be on the streets. Mm-hmm. So does that make them, do you deport them or do you put them in prison? I don't know. Right. But um, ideally it would be open borders, offering amnesty to people who are here looking for a better life and, and, and helping, honestly, Mexico, if we're talking about just Me- Mexico specifically, and the government uh, corruption that they have. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things that no Give one talks aid, about yeah, is yeah. like they need a lot of humanitarian aid, especially with what's going on uh, with all the, um, the cartel violence. I mean, there's, um, there's, there's so many crimes against humanity happening down there that we should, as our neighbors, should be the ones helping them to stabilize their government and, and these people that are escaping, which are refugees, allow them to go back home, you know, because I don't, you know, when, when people come up here, like, they're looking for a way out and a better life so they can send money. A lot of what happens is, like, you're sending money back home because they need it, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, like, one of the biggest things is, like, helping out the government of Mexico and to help their issue, even though that's... that would prevent people from feeling the need to leave <laughs> exactly. in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So, and you would think, and I'll just end it with this, um, you would think that we would want uh, one of our biggest neighbors to have a stable government. And economy. And like, it, yeah, exactly. Especially because they're a trading partner. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. Yeah, it, it, and a big trading partner right. at that. So, um yeah, it's it's just crazy. I mean, there's so many things that happen in Mexico that we could definitely help with. Um, not, you know, there's like the whole thing that happened with like the missing students that they still haven't found in Mexico that were that were taken by cartel members mm-hmm. and violent violent people. That was in my home state. Really? And, and, and they oh. that was in uh, Nayarit. No, that was in Guerrero. Guerrero. Unless oh. there was this was a different event. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about the one where they. Like it was like hashtag nos falta whatever. Like the forty some students. Yeah, it was like yeah, that was in the state of Guerrero. Oh, was it? Yeah, Fuck. yeah, that was close to where <coughs> there was a bus full. Of, I don't know if you know about this. Kind of. Um, it was like a it was a bus right full of students that they think were like just taken over by cartel members and just murdered. Mm-hmm. And they were they found mass graves and stuff and. Yeah. I mean that shit. I mean that's like bordering on genocide. And so, so like here's another um, component. You know, speaking about the cartels, especially for how violent they are, like our U.S. drug policy. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, is, on drugs. is is yeah. like that, a massive uh, right. contributor to that. Because, that needs to be done over. Right. Absolutely. Even like, even like even without thinking about Mexico, even without. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's just like yeah. No brainer. But man. but with with Mexico, like. For specifically, you definitely need to fully legalize marijuana so that they, you know, the, that money doesn't end up back to them. But you, they have to start thinking about like legalizing possibly all drugs yeah. because yeah. Um, there it's it's not going to just like end if you just take away the marijuana mm-hmm. um, money. Like, well, I'm just surprised we haven't learned it that lesson as a country. Right. Like prohibition is like if that. How does that not teach you the right. lesson that? We should have learned this like, lesson a hundred years ago. Almost. Right. Like, yeah. this is, this is a, it's that dumb thing of history repeating itself. Like, people not learning from their past mistakes is just silly. Like, it doesn't work. Why right. are you doing this? Here's one point someone I've never heard anyone talk about, because it's all about supply and demand. What are we doing to control the demand? The, Anything? Yeah. 
There's no we want to do everything control to control that. the supply. Right. But what about the demand? Could, why don't we have programs to help people like who are addicted and things like that? Like, right. Well, I can... think their answer to the demand is to lock people up, mm-hmm. which is not a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, but it gives profit to private prison companies. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, those guys. Yeah. But the, <laughs> it's like, I I think that that um, that drive to, you know, manipulate your consciousness in some way or another is probably like pretty close to innate in human beings. Um, you know, there's going to be varying degrees of it, but pretty much universally across all cultures, you're finding that they all are engaging in like psychedelics or other sorts of, uh, like alcohol was independently (laughs) invented in so many different cultures, um, that, you know, you're just not going to find a way to, um, you know, short circuit that in people. Um, so insofar as that is the case, you're never going to diminish the demand for drugs of some kind or another. And so the only way you can do that is to try to make the supply and delivery systems of those as like benign and um, legitimate as possible. And, and um, when you make it illegal, again, it just it, it shifts to the black market. That's their it's, sales yeah, that's now. The yeah. other thing that surprises me how we don't have – well, I mean, maybe there is a coalition and we just haven't had the brave enough politicians or anything. But, like, we should all agree on, on, on in one sense or another. Like, the libertarians got to love the fact that you can tax it. Or, sorry, not, not that you can tax it, say, but that they, that they can smoke pot. Yeah. And then the, the liberals got to love – you know, everybody else has to love that you can tax it because yeah. everybody's worried about fiscally, like right. Democrats and Republicans. Like, like there's so – there's over – there's this Venn diagram is, like – almost a circle well like, and, how and, is it not and nationally happening? it's like 60 percent maybe or slightly higher that want to fully legalize marijuana yeah <laughs> that's like a, that's a winning issue you can't yeah. on that it's, that's like a that's something that people are not gonna mm-hmm. get or be against you know yeah. um yeah but so like then here's the other side of that too is that like you're you're not a citizen yet, or I am. Are, you are okay mm-hmm. so but jose is not and so jose has no um official way to like have a say in his government um he's lived here his entire life and he can't like vote and say okay this is my official channel to make the change that will help those you know my country and uh my country of birth (laughs) um and so that is another um inherent flaw in in this because it's like what do you you know you you just have to just kind of like speak in person about it otherwise you have no recourse talk to friends and family and try to educate and right things like that you know but you couldn't vote against trump's wall like you just didn't had no way to do that absolutely not yeah just out of curiosity what's keeping you uh the wait the time oh really five years yeah so yeah so when did when did um okay so three years ago Mm -hmm. was when your brother was in the military and well he was in it for a couple years before we like i said it's a long process yeah yeah yeah, for me, I was in, I remember I was in college and my mom just made me do it because yeah. there, there was a program that offered, like, help, a legal services program. And so and my mom was like, just do it. And I'm like, at the time, I don't know. I, I was in college. I should have been more interested. I don't remember why it wasn't, but I was like, all right. Sounds like you just felt, like, here. ambivalent about it. Sort yeah, of. yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I guess I wasn't thinking about Trump, yeah. you know, or yeah, anything yeah, in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm sure that put a lit a fire under a lot of people's asses. Yeah. So, and so I'm glad that I I did take care of it. Well, and especially now, I think the the um, 
deadline to reapply for like DACA protections is October 5th, I yep. want to say. Not very many people know that, I don't think. Like, yeah. um, not as many that, that should. And I think that was uh, cut much shorter, just like what they're doing with Obamacare, um, yep. you know, enlisting or whatever. Um, they It was previously like a 12-week um, like sign-up period, and I think now it's been cut to six. So um, they're doing everything they can to effectively make those programs uh, dead. Bad. For, yeah, like as as effectively not there as they can be without actually completely eliminating them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, to, to reference the title of the show, like this is the actual cost of like politics. Like it's people are politics because... This is human lives mm-hmm. that are at stake. Um, people that, that have lived here their entire lives end up going to countries or being shipped off to countries that they do, have never been to or speak the language of. Uh, people like have to live in constant fear of the police and can't report crimes. Um, and other, other people get um, abused by employers because they can't um, they can't go to like uh, the justice system. They can't uh, talk about like how they're being paid less than minimum wage. Um, there, there, there is a, a true human cost to all of these uh, issues, and it's not just like, oh, I, I have one opinion, you have another. Like, no, like there is actually like it's a consequential issue. Um, so yeah, Oscar, could I just to piggyback on what you were asking before? Can I ask you guys like what? How do you see? Uh, fixing the like, yeah. the immigration issue or like what are your policy ideas yeah, your ideas on the like what the law should be well this is gonna be um, well <laughs> let me start with Oscar's uncle for example they locked him up because he crossed the border illegally okay why not instead of spending money to incarcerate him why not give him like a work permit that doesn't cost the government anything. He would be able to work and live here. Why is everything... And pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, to fix the immigration system, to me, it's just... There's so much that has to be done. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought for a second you were going to be like, why instead of sending him to prison, just deport him? <laughs> just deport him right away. <laughs> no, because oh, then what... <laughs> we're back to square one. You know, he's going to want to come back in, as he should. Yeah. You know, why not, instead of spending all that money on incarcerating him, and why not, instead of having a system where people are forced to come here by breaking the law, why not make it a system where people can come here way easier than it is now, Right. That's what that's the what, legal way? That's what it used to be in the 70s. Like, when my grandparents came over, um, I think my grandparents on my dad's side came over uh, post World War Two, so it was like fifty-five or something like that, and they came um, off of that uh, Braceros project or a program or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you want to elaborate on that, I don't know. Anything it was about um, it was a government program where they were incentivizing people to come work um, and be like farm hands or like anything that was industrial because of the effect of the war. A shortage of workers. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. So. Um, it, and actually, I mean, it, it was essentially a recruitment, like pretty policy, much. Yeah. I mean, like, but, but it started during the World War Two, um, and this is like, this is why I think essentially like the the immigration issue is essentially at its core racist, 
because when um, when that happened, it was mostly women and and immigrants working, doing everything. And then when quote unquote the boys came home, they saw that all these people had overtaken their homes, quote unquote, and uh, it like made them angry. And that's where you got all these smear campaigns about marijuana, like mm-hmm. affecting black and Mexican people, raping white women, and making them crazy and stuff. And then there's what happened in L.A., the Zoot Suit riots, you know, um, because the, the Mexican influence had taken over certain neighborhoods and, you know, they had a certain flavor that, that these sailors didn't like. They want to eat it, but they don't like it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, so they, they came in and brutalized all these, like, Mexican people. And, and yeah, I mean, that's why I think it's, it's essentially a racist thing. So what – so – uh, going back to what the what the program was, it was essentially that was that they gave you an option to become a citizen in, in sort of like a fast lane if you worked um, right off the bat, right? Which is what my grandparents did, and they made a they made a humble living. I mean, they came over, they filled out their paperwork. They ha- you have to go and renew it. Actually, my grandma now still has that type of documentation, and she renews it every ten years. Mm. So. Um, She's not a citizen, but she's working off of this uh, worker's permit or whatever it is. But she pays taxes. She has a house. Um, and she does everything else uh, by the book. It's just not in it. you're not an American citizen. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so strange. But those sort of programs, I think, by the 80s were being like, you know, branded about as being uh, too lenient on people who come into neighborhoods and cause violence mm-hmm. or whatever and yeah i mean uh like i i really like i like that idea that jose has like that i feel you know if if you find someone quote unquote breaking the law if you give them a work permit that will make them a uh, a good member of society yeah and that's what what's sorry no no what i think they say is the problem is they're like well they're not contributing to society yeah yeah it's that um what do they call that the schrodinger's uh immigrant like where it's like they're uh too lazy to work but but they're taking our all our jobs at the same time Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah but uh no it's interesting because like our policy effectively punishes people that like um (laughs) in some way or another embrace the idea that like we like about America that it's like, oh, it's really attractive to people. People want to come here. And then it's like when they come here, we say, fuck you. Like uh, that that is totally, you know, if you're not sending mixed messages there, I don't know when that would apply. Um, but yeah, so I guess, Jose, did you have uh, further to expand upon that? Because like, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, because the way I see it now and just from the research I've done, current immigration system is very heavy on family ties. Um, and I know a while back, you know, the Trump administration had mentioned they wanted to make it so that only people who speak English come here and with advanced degrees, things like that. And no longer grandparents anymore. It was like you had to either have, and it wasn't like, like in, no in-laws either. Yeah, yeah it was immediate like, family yeah. members, yeah. Um, so basically, if you don't have ties, any ties to this country and you want to come here, Sorry. You know, exactly. Yeah. So that's what makes people break the law. It's not an easy choice. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, it's not a choice they make out of something. You know, they people look into it and it's like, well, I want to go, but 
how do I do it? And they go talk to lawyers and it's like, well, here's what you got to do. You know, wait in line for years and years. If you have family ties, if you have money, cause you need money. So that's what makes, you know, people break the law. And, and if you just had a system that was easier for you to come, I mean, a lot of people, you know what? A lot of people wanted to come temporarily even. I know a lot of family members of mine would rather come here temporarily, work for six months or whatever, mm-hmm. and return home. Mm-hmm. Because they don't really want to leave everything behind. They they grew up there. That's all they know. Right. But because they have to go through all that process of crossing the border without documents... They have to pay like somebody to guide them through that deserts or whatever. Once they're here, they're like, "Well, I can't really just leave again." Yeah. So they end up staying here longer, and it's like if you just it's had too much a program to, like, to, to to just try keep it up. again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you had a program where you could come here legally temporarily, even for those people who want to come here temporarily, you would have such a different environment than we have now, mm-hmm. right? Um, another thing I want to touch on is as to fixing the current system, they say there's about 11 million undocumented immigrants. Yeah. I think it's anywhere 12? from eight to 11. I've, Somewhere. I've yeah. Num- the numbers like um, that. Unless you're asking Ann Coulter and she says it's like 46 or something. Or <laughs> yeah. not ask her, but <laughs> <laughs> there's obviously because we're humans, there's going to be people in that group who've committed crimes who've done, made poor choices. And, you know, they had the choice. They, they, you know, maybe they shouldn't be included. But I think there's no way we should just round up those 8 to 11 million people and just yeah. kick them out. Yeah. That's just, what are you going to do? Just go around knocking neighborhoods and, right. and you have brown looking shirts. for people? Like that's it's all, that's the, the Gestapo, you know? Yeah. Like. You know, if you just open a, a pathway to, you know, legal status for them, you know, prove that they've done everything right, they want to be here and be a productive member of society, why not? Right. But I think essentially, and it kind of touches with what Oscar said earlier, is when I saw this, I saw this article that planted this seed in my mind actually 10 years ago, exactly. It's about culture. Because the fear they of don't, other people's culture, yeah, they don't want to say it. They don't have the guts to say it, but that they don't want that change in demographic. Right. That's what it boils down to to me. Because Latinos are already the biggest majority in this country. Yeah. Uh, voting people, you know. Yeah. And if you legalize another eight to eleven million, those people, I think, more than likely will be more democratic because of what they've been through and they you know and then you have people who well i mean you really change the demographic by accepting all these people because right now they're even though they're here they're technically not voters yeah accepted into yeah. the country but, but i think also the any biggest... effort to like expel them from the country is effectively like a form of ethnic cleansing like you know it exactly. may not be um a, a holocaust but it's still a form of ethnic cleansing yes, no matter absolutely. what and if you accept all these people i mean you're really really changing the demographic and the culture in this country it, it's only it's official never... like only officially i mean like the people are here like whether or not you yeah but then they can get caught any second you know right out. yeah but it's again it comes down to voting them, they're here yeah you know and i think 
the people like you know those ultra conservative old people old people that are just strictly against um giving you know amnesty i call it a pathway to citizenship because amnesty is just forgiveness a pathway is like you got to do also amnesty implies that you did something wrong to begin with exactly (laughs) you know um so if you give them i think people see it as whites are becoming a minority Mm -hmm. and hispanics will have more power which which that you know like that. that figure or whatever where it's like 2042 or whatever where white people won't be 50 percent they'll still be the plurality of the the nation they just won't be a voting majority or whatever mm-hmm. um and but even so it's like that's not supposed to we're not an ethno state like it doesn't matter it's uh, it, what's so crazy to me is that when um you, you know we see this rise in like white supremacists um get i mean they're they're coming out of the woodwork because now they feel threatened, like actually threatened. Um, I, and it's both sides. It's they're, they're threatened and they're emboldened yeah. like, by, yeah. by Trump. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it's just so crazy because I've never understood how they can even think that they um, they own any sort of land when not even like 150 years ago with the Manifest Destiny or whatever in the westward expansion – they were just taking land. It wasn't theirs. I mean, they were, they, just because you put, it's like right. that. Um, any idea, any idea of a birthright to the country that like their ancestors are not from yeah, doesn't make any sense. And it's, uh, it's like that joke from uh, like Eddie Izzard when he was talking about um, like the reason why the moon belongs to America is just because we put a flag there first. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like them just putting a flag and this. no, this is mine. Right. This has always been mine. <laughs> yeah. And any, supernatural or ethnic or anything like that any sort of like anything beyond just like a strict legal legal framework for how countries exist um any belief in beyond that is absurd like it um it really doesn't go very far when you start like breaking it down because it's like oh yeah these are just like a certain block of people that lived in a particular area and there's there's certain ways obviously that are uh, more legitimate than others to like acquire that but like um to to claim like yeah this is mine because uh whatever we're the majority here or something like that okay like that's not really a very like it doesn't really hold a lot of I mean it wouldn't work against you now right the, the people that would make that argument for themselves 150 years ago wouldn't accept that argument against themselves now right so there's a reason for that yeah because it's well, not a real argument or they again it's like there's that fear or whatever <laughs> among especially like white supremacists and stuff that oh when we become the minority what if the other races treat us as poorly as we've treated <laughs> them <laughs> oh no uh, yeah um and yeah i don't know like yeah that is really funny yeah because it's a good point you know, yeah what are they what are you gonna say to that but it's like the answer to that is not to try to um engage in an ethnic cleansing it's to like not treat other races shitty don't be such an <laughs> asshole yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah okay so mario like i guess your turn to like build upon like what's your ideal ideal policy i think there's um there's kind of sort of two questions here i think there's one there's a the question of what is the ideal you know, which I agree with Oscar, generally speaking. Um, and, you know, under the ideal, and for me personally, it's, you know, worldwide socialism. Yeah. You know, and we wouldn't have to worry about this kind of thing because it wouldn't matter. 
you know, it, it, we wouldn't have, you know, we'd have like, it'd be closer to a worldwide U.S. where we'd have states, but we're all kind of united, that kind of thing. Right. So, um, and so that's the ideal. And I think socialism is the way to go. And, you know, I won't go into it today, but that's my answer to that particular question. But I think there's a, a the other question, and that's what do we do right now? Um, considering that we're not under worldwide socialism. Um, and so for one thing, um, you know, uh, someone earlier mentioned that net immigration is like zero, and that's true. And that's actually bad. That's bad for the U.S. Because we don't have the necessary workforce for for the country right now. So um, I'm sure you guys, everyone's read those articles about plants going to shit because guess what? You guys scared away all of your farmhands because you're yeah. treating them like shit. Well, and Alabama had a very specific yep. problem with that yep. because oh, they yeah. they directly um, – did effectively Trump's policy where it's like, we're going to round everybody up and everybody else. Most people left voluntarily because they were so terrified and then nobody was there to work the farms. And then and they tried to do <laughs> vice did a whole documentary about this. Yeah. Crime wasn't the only area where the bill's results fell short of expectations on the farm fields of Alabama. The verdict is in the state's tough immigration law just isn't working out. This potato farmer hired Americans. Problem is, he says, most show up late, work slower, and are ready to head home after lunch. But now Bandits back to work. Experience I've had, <clears throat> they ain't too good at what they do. Agriculture in Alabama could be headed the way of its immigrant workforce. They tried to get, you know, uh, the remaining citizens to, to do it. Nobody really wanted to do that work. They tried to, to use prison labor, which is slavery, yep. um, to, to do it. They didn't give a fuck. Like they yeah. didn't. They didn't care. Like they didn't really do a good job or right. anything. So then they pretty much like swiftly rescinded that policy um, because their economy was going to be yeah. under collapse. Fruit was you know? rotting on the yeah, fields. It's right. ridiculous. So we know. Like the thing is that here's what I, here's the point is. We know that we need a workforce and that we don't have it. That alone should be the incentive for you to say, okay, the people that we have right now should become legal because we need them here if we got rid of them we're in trouble not and that's and that's the other thing rounding people up that costs money you yeah. can't you're not just going to people aren't going to volunteer well, some might but in general you're not going to get <laughs> enough volunteers to round everybody up and deport them you know at gunpoint because that's just that's stupid don't that's just dumb so it's going to cost money it's not going to be cheap why would you want to spend that money to get rid of right. a workforce that you already need and then you're going to lose even more money because now you can't feed yourself because the people that were picking the food up for you aren't there to do it anymore. The right. people that you barely paid as it is, you know. So right now, yeah, there should absolutely be amnesty for everybody in the country that's here undocumented right now because we need them. We need them, period. Um, that's that's I, I haven't heard a good, a good argument against that because no one has an answer to what do we do for the people for those jobs that nobody wants to do that. That is already here. You gotta automate them. <laughs> well, and in the future, and again, yeah. socialism's the answer, yeah. but we're not there yet. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and so, yeah, we should absolutely provide amnesty to everybody here. That's just that, and then we have to legalize every single drug, everyone, mm -hmm. even the bad ones, because the way we deal with them isn't to put people in jail; it's to work with them to make mm -hmm. themselves better. If we think there's a legitimate issue. Also, when you when you uh, create the legal versions of those drugs, they're going to be FDA regulated. They're yeah, gonna be like, healthier, way more benign. Like, and you tax them high. Yeah. 
make yep. money off of it. And this you, is... you use that money to fund education and then treatment resources. Like, yeah, come on, just and no, just generally, why are you such a square if you're against marijuana? Like, there's people or right like now LSD my age, or mushrooms or things like that. You know, and like, I'm and I mean like make and I, what I mean being against them is I mean you thinking that they should be illegal. Like, obviously you can be against doing a drug because you're not interested in sure. doing the drug, and yeah. of course that, that's absolutely normal. You know, I, I get that, but there's people right now that I know in my age that think it should be illegal and it's like why what are you what, what? especially when like at least two-thirds of the american population has partake yeah. taken in marijuana like hey, at some point in their life listen if you haven't done it it's fun okay that's all most of the time do. most of the time good point good point <laughs> hey, I, even... I will never touch mushrooms Me... <laughs> i don't think they should be illegal no right right nope. yeah. yeah it's it's an issue and again i'm talking specifically here people should not go to jail for doing drugs ever that's Period. just not yeah. they should get help if we th if we think it's an issue they it's should, a mental health issue we should like, help them yeah. we shouldn't put them in jail and make their life worse make sure that they lose the job that they're probably barely holding on to if they're actually suffering and then when they get out of jail make it impossible for them to get a ban job the again. box yeah. ban the box nobody oh my god i mean yeah that's just such a <laughs> silly thing that we're telling people that because people aren't we need a workforce. That's the thing. Like a lot of this stems from like concerns that conservatives. That's their issues. It's this. It's the economy. It's jobs. We're we're. I'm talking your language. You should be on board with this. Right. You know. And that. And again, that's excluding any of the humanitarian issues, any of the actual moral issues, any of the historical issues. Like seriously, right. how can you make any sort of ethnostate argument knowing that this country belongs to Native Americans, and that you stole all of it? How? How can you do that with a straight face? You can't. It's ridiculous. The, the only argument I've ever heard about that, uh, against that, is they're like, well, it's not their land. Before them, it didn't belong to them. <laughs> they, they came over on the Bering Strait, so, so they we're, took So what, it, like so the, the, the buffalo owned it or yeah, something? Yeah. Well, like, not, <laughs> well, not that. It's that, okay, but again, you have to be consistent with your ethics. If it's your argument that it didn't belong to them, how is that different from you? Yeah. How does it belong to you and not them? That, exactly. Like, that different? Then, yeah. then, you, then they have a, a more serious problem on their hands because then they're like, oh, what is the basis for a state in the first place? Yeah. Like, right. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and then, you know, but I'll, I will say there, the one kind of quick question that I haven't been able to answer about immigration is like, you know, like I said, there's the ideal state, there's the now, but there's something in the middle and I don't know the answer. Like, how do we... At what point do we limit immigration? How do you work that out? I don't know, but there are more humane ways, and for sure people shouldn't be going to jail for it. Mm -hmm. People shouldn't be rotting away in jail. We shouldn't be paying for them to be in jail because it's not For productive. making a, a, des a desperate decision, Right, and, and that's another like, thing. Like People should be more, like, especially conservatives are worried about, the, you know, pro-life and pro-family. Like, how are you guys yeah. so... Uh, for breaking up families like this whole thing with the grandmas like mm -hmm. hello are you, you guys seriously call yourself the the party they, of family and no they only you... care about you if you're a fetus like right anybody beyond that yeah, and, yeah, and even yeah. then barely right like, exactly and you, uh, yeah you better be with them bootstraps yeah, yeah. yeah. once exactly. you're born you're on your own yeah exactly so Which yeah is, there's just yeah it's so crazy to think like even with that issue being like well that person deserves a chance to live you know but once they're out, it's like, well, you're on your own, buddy. Yeah, like we gave you the chance. Your to parents, live. they gotta take care of you. Yeah, sorry, yeah. guy. <laughs> and then, and so the other thing too, just to add on to that argument, that economic argument about employment, if people, there might be people that doubt the veracity of whether or not we need immigrant workforce. Go look up the H two A program, okay? 
The H-2A program is the visa program right now that's utilized for agricultural work where farmers will hire somebody from abroad. They have to get a visa. They come for a few months. They work. Um, you know, and some of them, you know, I work specifically with that population, and some of them do get treated like crap, and there's issues there. Um, but you can't argue that we don't need them. My point is you can't make a legitimate argument that immigration is something that we do not need. That's wrong. Right. We need it. We need the workforce because, like it or not, you don't want to do that job. You don't want to do it because guess what? It doesn't pay well, which is, you know, that's another issue tied to the economy is the fact that, you know, the wages are so crappy. and sort of a separate issue, but at the same time, everything's connected. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's connected. We need to pay people their labor. Yeah, like like even if um, we did grant work permits and stuff, they need living wages. Right. We can't just be like all of our groceries will go – or be more expensive if uh, we pay these people a living wage or whatever, or if, like we didn't if we didn't have undocumented immigrants, your groceries would be more expensive. It's like yeah, like everyone should have food stamps. Like I yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that like literally like food stamps, and then you buy more if you need more. Like, yeah. uh, mm. but like everyone needs that money, and so we need people that do that work. Yeah, like exactly, they needs that food, so we need people to do that work. I should say. And I've seen um, like social media posts of people saying like, we have plenty of people here without work. They can go pick the fields or whatever. Anybody listening to uh, this podcast right now and you think that way, please get a hold of me. I personally have worked in fields. Please let me take you and show you what it's like. <laughs> Yeah. See if you want to pick fruit for freaking Oh, be out nothing. in the sun in almost 100-degree oh, weather. Yeah, oh, man. Like, yeah. I, I did it for years. And my my grandparents still do it now. They're in their like late 60s. Wil- Wilmer, Minnesota, right? Yeah, it's yeah. where I was born. And I was born because my my family was like, you know, I need we need to get a job for the summer. We'll go in the fields and we'll, we're cutting weeds. You're cutting weeds yeah. with, a, with a hoe. <sighs> it's hard now, work. Yeah, and now, I mean... I've heard like the argument from conservatives being like, "Well, now we have um, we have chemicals that we can spray the fields, and we can do this and that. It'll cut down the labor, and there's automation." Once you once you get into the thick of what it's like to to work on fields and um, and with vegetables and all all that sort of thing, there's only so much that you can do with automation and chemicals. Like all, a huge component of it is human labor. Mm-hmm. And um, and judgment and necessary yeah, yeah. component. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean now there have been stri- some strides to like um, help get farm workers um, like better wages, but it's not nearly enough. No, it's it should not. Be. It's not nearly enough. Like you know, there are states where farm workers aren't subject to get getting overtime pay. You know, which is ridiculous. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that. There is in this country today, there's a segment of the population that does important work, undeniably important work, mm-hmm. and they can't get overtime. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. That's that. Like, how can you possibly be a a, a market economy, you know, conservative and think that that's okay? That's ridiculous. Well, that's because they only believe in supply side, like, <laughs> which like is. It mathematically does not make any sense. And so, oh, and one thing before I forget too, the other thing about those, um, those work visas, those HOA visas, they don't have a right to, they don't get a right to like ever get their papers or or get become citizens. That's bullshit. Like, if why? You want, What's the rationale behind that? Anti-immigrant sentiment. Just, like just literally, like, like there's no it just there's, got died. Right, there's no good argument basically. So if you, that's the other thing. If you if you know you need this workforce. 
you should be willing as a country to buck up and say, well, shit, if we need you, then we need you here and we might as well let you be here permanently. Like you deserve, you've earned the right to be here. Like at a minimum, if you're the type, if you're the more than most that, people that were born. Here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like these, the, at the end of the day, America, you know, you get these campaigns like that I've seen. Like at one time there was during the NFL, like thank a farmer, you know, and that's fine. Go ahead and thank your farmer, but you better thank his farmhand ten times better uh-huh. because without him, everything on your table would rot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mean, meanwhile, like the the people, the farmhands doing the work are getting paid like four or five dollars an hour, where the the farmer makes like a million dollars a year. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I, I will say I won't. That's I'm not, not gonna say totally like, true because some farmers are like family farms and right. they do have a lot of crap. Like they certainly have it better, but I think it's a little more complicated. There are these bigger. I, I, I I'm I'm I'm. Oh, we're simplifying, but, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, the, the, the main idea is just that, like, labor versus management. Right. The like, farm, the farmer gets to go home and into a nice house, to a nice dinner, to a nice family that doesn't have to worry about getting deported. Right. That's the difference. And uh, and the farmhand doesn't sometimes, a lot of times. And that's bullshit. Because, again, there's, we need them. If we didn't need them, why do we have an H-2A program? Nobody can answer me that in a way that makes. Or why do we have any unemployment? Like right, no, it's uh, yeah. So, so I'm sorry, but if anybody's got those answers, come talk to me because I'm, I haven't seen one yet. That's that's correct. That's addressed these these shortcomings of of our labor workforce. We we need to deal with that. We need we all need to eat. Every single one of us, conservative, liberal, what what have you. So if you want to make sure that you can eat, then you better be taking care of the people that are picking your food for you right quick question on that h2ab uh, program yeah do you know if they uh pay into social security and if they get it that when they retire i think they don't i would say they don't it. okay um, and and so no, they certainly be surprised they, they yeah. i think they, they get it well i guess you would know more than me but I, I thought to, i thought they do pay into it but yeah. they don't yeah get they, the they, that might the actually be the case but i'll i'll Get back to you. Yeah, yeah. That's something I, to think about, though. Yeah, because yeah. I have a feeling that's the way it is. But yeah, it's the yeah. And my point is simply to say, for anybody that wants to deny that we don't need immigrants, that they're absolutely wrong. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even like even Donald Trump takes advantage of the H two A program. Yeah, so, like absolutely. probably more than anybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah, me? you're yeah. sure of it. So, I mean, just go ahead and ask these farmers what happens without H two A without immigrants and you know the people that you want to thank. Right. So, right. All right, cool. Well, um, I don't know. Does anybody else have any other final thoughts about, like, just immigration in general or, like, thoughts since the election? We've kind of touched on a lot of it. But, um, yeah. My my main thing right now is that um, when you get down to the, like, to the very bottom of the immigration issue in America, you have to look at it through the lens of empathy. And that's a, that's a huge thing that, um, I, I just don't understand why it's lacking from, like, honestly, both sides. Because when you look at, you know, what Obama did, too, who um, I have a lot of problems with. I mean, he, he deported more people than George Bush, correct? More than any president yeah, ever. So, I've heard some arguments about some definitional issues, but generally yeah, speaking, like, it's still the case. Some of so. it was, uh, you know, they counted a deportation as picking somebody, somebody up between 50 miles of the border or whatever, yeah, yeah. like having just crossed. But at the same time, like still not good on immigration. Right. It might just be a little bit inflated. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. that's the only little note because if someone has brought it up, but honestly, it's still an issue. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my, my takeaway is like just from an emotional side, 
that uh, with the dreamers especially there are these children that don't know any better and they're here as citizens of a country that um i mean you know when you when you talk about kids like what's the worst that they could do <laughs> you know <laughs> like what's the worst that they could do so um we we need to start thinking about it at an empathetic level and i know a lot of people um on the right will be like oh he's a bleeding heart liberal or like they're just not tough enough but you have to empathize with putting yourself in those shoes on every side of the issue um we are fortunate enough to be living in a country right now where we haven't had a war storming through our streets mm-hmm. um besides the one that we created <laughs> for ourselves <laughs> and um we don't know economic depression the way that other people do and we don't know or at least not constant not constant yeah, yeah. so and we don't know um by and large to to know what it's like to be actually persecuted like vilified and taken out of your homes like people were with the gestapo and stuff like that so and that that is happening now like the the trump administration has definitely put a more or like a higher emphasis on even the nonviolent, like uh, undocumented people Absolutely. like and there have been raids in just mm-hmm. neighborhoods like yeah. it's not like the gang members that everybody's worried about you yeah. know? i mean even so, showing up to places that prior had been agreed to as like safe places like a like a courthouse, like a courthouse. yeah yeah. yeah, so yeah, and my argument is to the people who are in favor of that, put yourself in those shoes and 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 just try to understand what is actually at stake there. Um and don't stop there, like talk to people. Absolutely, yeah. Cuz like a lot of times like that's good advice is to be empathetic and put yourself in your shoe, but you're not going to know the whole story and you should talk to people. Like even yeah. if you're if you know if you're conservative and and maybe you're a fiscal conservative and you don't maybe you're not quite racist you know go talk to some of us yeah Come talk to like, us and tell literally us what ask it's like. like what i did at the beginning yeah like, like like hear our story man find out what we're going through and whether you would and, you know and then then you can really put yourself in my shoes and tell me what you would have done differently and mm-hmm. we'll see if there was anything because like Probably there wasn't, man. I'm sorry, but there isn't. And that mm-hmm. just affects the life. And you should know also, that. Also, thinking about it in the abstract is totally different than having it, like, materialize in front of you. Exactly. So, like, thinking, like, oh, yeah, I would have definitely made a, a logical oh, decision. In, I would have stayed the in Mexico. Yeah. And, and, and been super poor and And, and, and like, had cartels running the streets. Whatever. And, I would have like, not, I would have just not done any drugs or, like, that's the yeah, reason that Yeah, it's the same with the, the whole idea, you know, with, like, with poor people just generally in America. It's right. like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have robbed a liquor store. Why like, didn't you move? Yeah. Because you know, that's free and easy to do. Yeah. You know? So talk to people. Like, like Oscar's right, but I think it helps a lot if you actually talk to us and, you know, more in depth. Like, we're only here for, what, an hour, hour and a half. Like, this yeah. is a, this is the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just as much, just as human as you guys are. And we have just as varied and in depth of stories and for a reason so cool uh before i get into my final thoughts i want to uh, clarify the the subject i want to touch on is sanctuary cities because there's a mm-hmm. lot of arguments on that and a lot of misconception on sanctuary cities um people think that it, if a sanctuary uh or if a city declares it's a sanctuary city that it's a place for all kinds of undocumented people to go and get all kinds of benefits and things like that. Or never get arrested for anything it's or something. Yeah. not true. It, all it means is that it, if a city declares it's a sanctuary, that means their police departments, law enforcement, will not uh, act as immigration officers mm-hmm. as long as you n- haven't committed major crimes, obviously. Right. Um, that's all it is. 
It's like they're gonna, it when they pull you over, they're not going to say, like, do you have immigration papers yeah, or anything exactly. like that? Um, yeah. Because that's they, most of these departments don't have the budget to act as immigration officers anyway. So before you start saying, you know, let's ban immigration, uh, sanctuary cities and all this, please look at the facts. It's not what you think it is. And that actually brings me to the my talking or my final points, which they touched on is if you believe you know everything about the immigration issue, you're probably wrong. You need to stop, you know, just hearing everything on the media, Fox News especially, because they're so biased. Talk to people. Talk to people. If you really want to learn about the issue, you got to talk to someone, know, put yourself in their shoes, know what they went through and things they did, why they did them. But you know what? Bet you they won't because they don't really care. It's all mm-hmm. about culture. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have for you. And just to, just to finish off, like on another note too, like our experiences with, with the immigration process is uniquely Mexican. There are so many issues from every other country as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe except for Canada because like they're just so laxed on that side. But um, I, I don't know what it's like to be a, a Syrian re- refugee and I don't know what it's like to be... I, I don't know what it's like to be an immigrant to begin with, but I... Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, also a lot of undocumented immigrants are people that have overstayed their visas, like mm-hmm. that are that are oh, yeah. come here from 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 Europe yeah. or or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's not always the brown people, so to speak. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But no, you're right. Like, it's um, this is just a very narrow section of the entire conversation surrounding uh, undocumented immigration and and what to do about it. But it's. Um, it, it, it is complex, but it also, like, there is a very clear line between the, the humane and the inhumane solutions. So, cool. Well, um, I appreciate you guys coming in. Um, this was a fun episode, and um, I hope you, the listener, got a lot out of it. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back with another episode soon, and uh, hopefully not four months later this time. But, yeah. All right. Thanks. Uh, This was People Are Politics. We'll see you next time. This was a Chamber 6 Media production. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or any of your other favorite podcasting apps. For videos, podcasts, short films, and more, visit www.chamber6media.com. Also be sure to like Chamber 6 Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with everything we're doing. Thanks for listening.